Welcome to the inaugural episode of Beauty GPS in the Hot Seas. I'm your navigator, Mary Shook. According to author John Nesbitt, we are drowning in information but starved for knowledge. So I decided to reel it all back into a time when society learned real beauty secrets and techniques through cinema newsreels called Cinemazines. People would go to the movies weekly to get their entertainment and news. But eventually, TV and magazines took over and became beholden to their advertisers, which is why everyone is so darn confused today. Also, is it so bad I want to bring back a world of amazing hors d'oeuvres and cocktails and, most of all, manners? Beauty GPS is meant to help you, the listener, navigate through all your beauty and wellness questions through licensed experts and practitioners that have agreed to sit in my hot seat. These experts aren't influencers, but some of the world's foremost accredited authorities, and they're helping consumers solve their biggest beauty and wellness issues each and every day. They're in the trenches. Each first and third Saturday at noon Eastern time, you, the consumer, get to ask our licensed experts your burning beauty questions. All you have to do is dial into our hotline found at beautygps.com, or you can just listen to the conversation. This week, I'm excited to introduce our very first guest, microblading pioneer and micropigment expert, Julia Ann Millen. Julia is the founder of Brow Design International, which is the leading American academy for microblade training and certification. Julia has been named New York's microblading guru by ABC's Good Morning America and Marie Claire Magazine. In this episode, Julie and I are going to discuss whether it's a good idea to tattoo away your dark under eye circles, microblading parties, tattooing hair, plus a brand new exciting micropigmentation since microblading is such old news. I apologize in advance for the lisp that the call-in system seems to want to give me. Hopefully, this is gone by the next episode. Now sit back and enjoy the trip. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much. It's, a, it's an honor to be your inaugural guest on Beauty GPS, and uh, I'm really happy to be here to speak about my experiences in microblading. I've got you on today because I weekly have customers or people that come to me and they say, you know, there's this really cool thing that they tattoo on these eyebrows and they look like real hair and it's this new innovation and I'm just really nervous and, but I see all these things on Instagram and social media and it's just like all my friends want to do it. I want to do it. But then all of a sudden you hear the horror stories too. And knowing yeah. that you are the pioneer of this service in the U.S., and you're going to get into that a little bit more, but it's basically like, what is microblading and how how did you come across it and bring it to the U.S.? Okay, so microblading is a form of cosmetic tattooing, and I just want to put that right out there right now because a lot of people think that, oh, it's not tattooing. No, it, indeed it is, and people get confused because we're using manual tools instead of a, a tattoo machine or a permanent makeup device uh, to implant pigment into the skin. So really what we're doing is we're using a, um, a very, very tiny needle and it's a row of anywhere from 12 to 14 to 18 tiny needles 
at about uh, 0.2 millimeters diameter, and it's shaped like a blade, so hence comes the term microblading. But in reality, they're actually needles. So how it, the, the, the technique is actually done is that we're slicing tiny hair strokes into the skin and depositing pigment underneath the epidermis into the top layer of the dermis layer or in the basal layer in between. And so when, when the skin closes over, it creates the tattoo. And when done properly, it heals into a very, very thin hair stroke. And so it creates the illusion of hair. Microblading only kind of came on my radar maybe five, five years ago. Yes. Yes. Actually, it's, a very, it's, it's an older technique than you think. It actually came from Taiwan 30 years ago. And the story wow. is, and I know the story because I was in China over the summer and I studied uh, microblading. I took a private class with uh, one of the very first microblading masters in the entire world who actually learned it from Hong Kong and told me the story that it started in Taiwan because there was uh, a man whose best friend, who happened to be a woman, uh, had cancer and lost all of her eyebrows. And so he came up with this tattooing technique of actually uh, cutting the skin and implanting pigment. And it came a long way from there. So people in Hong Kong and China flew to Taiwan to learn it. And so then it came to Hong Kong. And the Chinese came to Hong Kong to learn, and then they spread it all through China, and then it came to, to Japan. And then what happened was, is that um, the Europeans who caught on to the technique about, about five years ago, uh, or six years ago, went there to Asia to learn, to China to learn, and then brought it over to Europe. And then from Serbia, it spread all over Europe and now to the USA. In the beginning, the work was ugly, it wasn't, it wasn't refined, and then throughout the last 30 years, the techniques have been refined. So that's, that's the real history from the horse's mouth of microblading. Obviously, it got a, a great effect because I went on realself.com and wanted to see, mm -hmm. since it's been around for a little bit, and it says 73% of women say it's worth it. So that's a lot mm -hmm. higher than I thought, given the feedback that I'm getting. So, I mean, mm -hmm. would you say that that's a good number or do you think there's more people that are dissatisfied or satisfied with it? Um, judging from my experience, I would say half the people are dissatisfied and there's really good reasons for that. Um, it has to do with the lack of proper training and the fact that it's considered uh, in the beauty industry to be fast money, which it's not. It's an extremely difficult technique, um, not only artistically, but how to execute it. It's not everybody's a candidate for microblading. So those people who are inexperienced, not trained properly, they'll try to attempt microblading on the wrong skin type and thus get not so great results. So oftentimes the results will be um, gray or blue healed results, or they'll be uh, blowed out or just completely disappeared after three after 30 days so wow. this, these are the dangers uh with the microblading but when done properly and done in the right way yes that is a it's a really beautiful result people who have gotten it done by people who are highly trained and experienced they're happy with the results but the people who are getting it from people say who uh didn't take an official training and just decided to learn off from youtube and get materials off of amazon you know these are the people who are not happy I see. Yeah, because I, I do hear of it a lot, and I, I think we're hearing about the same thing. It's about half that are really not happy. But, you know, I, I understand that you map the brows and there's numbing and all of that, but can you tell me specifically, if I'm going in for the service, what should I be, be expecting here? Okay, so when I first see a client, I have them fill out paperwork to ensure that they're a good candidate. So this is number one, safety first. Then I look at their, their the uh, the way their hair grows, uh, their hair pattern, and decipher which pattern I'm going to use on them because we all have 
um, different kinds of growths on our hair. And then what I do is I do the numbing. So I numb the client for about 15 minutes and then I choose the color for them. So we have like 30 different eyebrow colors and there's a lot to take into consideration. The client's natural hair color, the eyebrow color, and also the skin tone. That's also very important. After the numbing, then I map the brows according to their bone structure. And then I also incorporate some of the eyebrow hair. And what's different about this is that oftentimes I'll get clients whose skin has fallen off the bone. So the eyebrows will actually be displaced off the bone, believe it or not. So then I have to decide what it is I'm going to do with the client. Either I'm going to remove some of their eyebrow and then tattoo over the bone, or I'm going to keep what they have. And, well, I always consult with them what they want me to do. Usually they have me do what I want, which is uh, the best. (laughs) way because I've been doing this for a long time very experienced I've done thousands of clients and I know it's going to work and I know it's not going to work so what we do is we just dip the needle the manual needle into the pigment and then we draw on the hair strokes and then usually it's about uh, two to three passes Uh, we continue to add secondary anesthetic to keep the client comfortable it's important for them not to have any pain and um, then we're finished and that's it and they come in for a touch-up about 60 days afterwards it's best to wait um, six weeks for the skin to heal completely before we go back in because if we do it prematurely uh, then we can damage the skin cause scar tissue and then we won't have a, a good healed result and then as the client ages and as the permanent makeup ages it'll lessen the ability of the skin to soak up um, extra uh, pigment for the touch-up session this is important because all permanent makeup now it's semi-permanent now what i mean by semi-permanent is it's not going to fade completely but the pigments are designed to fade over the course of one to three years because styles change, um, colors change. So we want to be able to be more versatile. So that's why we call it semi-permanent as opposed to permanent. So you see those eyebrows that were done like 20 years ago, and that pigment is in there thick as heck, and um, it's, it's completely dark, and the, the color has changed into a blue or a green. And this is impossible to work with without removal. So that's why the, the pigments have actually changed over the years to accommodate Got it. And so what, what should people expect after, after the service? Because the one thing that I keep hearing and seeing and people say is like, oh, I wish I'd known this. And, you know, I didn't know I was going to have to wait two weeks. And, you know, like all these different things that people get frustrated with as far as the aftercare. So what's involved in that? Okay, the aftercare for the brows is a little bit more complicated than for other forms of permanent makeup. What the client needs to do is every hour to two hours after the microblading treatment is to wipe with a uh, with distilled water and a clean gauze or cotton pad to remove all the lymph and then apply um, a very thin layer of um, aftercare ointment or aftercare cream. I prefer to use um, Aquaphor. It's, it's very simple. It's cheap. The clients can buy it at um, any drugstore readily available and it's and it's wonderful for healing and it, it doesn't dry out the skin like Vaseline would. It's got a little bit of lanolin in it so I've, I've found it to be the best um, aftercare. So they would continue this for a week. So it's a little, it's, it's kind of time consuming for the client. They can't get the eyebrows wet. They can't go to the gym. They can't go to the sauna. They can't sweat. Um, they can't drink in excess. So anything that will compromise the healing. So this, this is important for the, for okay. the result to, to last. Now, what are the risks? Because we, we kn- we've talked about scarring and a few things, but can you just lay out exactly what the risks are that we're looking at with this microblading service? Okay. Well, the risks, obviously, um, with untrained technicians would be um, 
uneven eyebrows, uh, gray eyebrows, scarring. The biggest risk would be obviously cross-contamination, using dirty tools, reusing needles, using pigments that have uh, toxins in them, such as nickel or any kind of um, heavy metals. A lot of the times uh, when technicians will use the pigments that have have been bought from an unknown source or cheap, They'll oftentimes uh, not have been sterilized properly, or they will have um, heavy metals or toxins in them. So these, this is always the danger uh, that we deal with. And also, if a, if a technician is not trained properly in bloodborne pathogens, they can cross on uh, contamination from one client to another. So sometimes somebody could be infected and not tell you, or they may not even know. So like for the case of hepatitis, maybe they have no idea. They could just be a carrier. And so they wouldn't know. They wouldn't put it in the paperwork. So the technician must always treat every client as if they have something only to be safe. So this way we're wrapping our lights, we're wrapping our pigments, we're using everything disposable. Um, everything that's on my tray when I work, I throw it all away. I use all disposable tools. Are you ever nervous though working around people's lips? Because a lot of people don't know that they've never had a cold sore and all of a sudden you've mm-hmm. stimulated that area. <laughs> yeah. You know, they could have a nice big cold sore all over the face. Like, does that not make you yeah. nervous? Sure, of course. I mean, it's in the paperwork. So we always ask clients if they have a history of cold sores or chicken pox. So this is an issue because if they develop a cold sore after the pigmentation has been done, then it can, um, it can hurt the, uh, the healing process and the actual result afterwards. So for these clients, it's not impossible to do, but we recommend them taking uh, some form of antiviral such as Valtrex or some people even take Lysine, but I, I really prefer them to take Valtrex. So just go to the doctor get yourself a prescription, take that four days before and after, and it's fine. People think that just because if you take a course that you're certified and then you could work on someone, whereas people don't understand you have to have more than that. Is it still where only OSHA has to pass them and that's it? No, no, no OSHA. You, all you have to do is go down, go downtown in New York City, pay your money for your license, go take your test. They give you a PDF or a pamphlet of 40 pages. You have to study that. Then you go into your test and you watch a 40-minute video and then you take a test and then you get wow. your license. It's, it's like wow. that. It is, in my opinion, it's, it's not um, it's not enough. Yeah, they don't teach you enough. And you can go anywhere. I mean, there's no the, there's there's no. It is like the Wild West. Um, I can legally go into someone's home in New York City and microblade. Is it safe? No. Is it sterile? No. You know, but and, and I don't do it. I don't make house calls. I ask clients to please, even my VIP clients, please come to my office so I can ensure the highest safety. I mean, even here in Texas, it's illegal. You cannot make house calls in Texas, but people do it anyway. You so. mean you're not doing any microblading parties there, Julia? <laughs> <laughs> don't think they're probably not happening. I haven't oh, heard of oh, any, but I bet you there are. <laughs> I've heard of them. <laughs> oh, no. I know that oh. they're happening. And you know that the danger is because the, my health inspector came to my office and we talked about it. He mentioned this and he says, yeah, we're cracking down. It says, if any, and he told me, if anybody goes and does that in Texas, I have the legal right to have them arrested and put in jail. This is not my words. This is my health inspector's words. And wow. I warned people. I said, please be careful. I'm not here to police you. That's not my job. I'm here to inform you. So just you know the risks that you're running and, you know, be informed. And I want to tell my clients too, I said, you know, 
you don't want to come to me because I'm too expensive or you can get it done cheaper and someone's doing the microblading party. I said, okay, well, let me explain to you the dangers of that. And you're free to do as you will, but I just want to tell you that you run the risk of cross-contamination. Also, if it's a party environment, like I can't work with a bunch of people around me all the time. I, yeah. I like to have focus. I want to give all my, 100% of my focus to my clients. You're, you're incorporating other things because people may not be candidates for the microblading. And I know you mentioned oily skin, but uh, what else could be a contraindication? Um, skin that's really highly inflamed, uh, people with rosacea, people with um, very ruddy red skin is not a candidate. Uh, I find that these skin types um, ooze a lot more lymph, and so the healed result isn't as good. They usually have a lot more fading. Mm, um, okay. So it's between that. So I would say that the hardest skin to work on would be highly inflamed skin and oily skin. So those okay. are my only counterindications as far as like skin types. So those people, you still have an alternative for them? Yes, absolutely. And what would that be? Okay, so in this case, I would offer them um, an eyebrow with a permanent makeup device, which is different than microblading. It's still tattooing, but the technique is different. So it's something we call a powder brow or a shaded brow or an ombre brow. Those are three different techniques that are really hot right now um, that is just hitting the U.S. market in the last year. So the ombre brow is done with a very, very thin needle um, called a nano needle, and it's about uh, 0.25 millimeters in diameter. I actually have to wear special glasses just to see it in the skin because it's really hard. Um, and so what that does, it gives like a really beautiful sheer effect, and it's like a fade. So you can choose to fade that ombre from either the bottom of the eyebrow up or from the tail of the eyebrow forward. So it's it's really cool in the way that it heals. It's like, you know, where at the head it's barely there and at the top it's barely there, but then you have, you know, the, the more... Um, concentrated saturation of pigment toward the end and toward the bottom. It's really beautiful. Oh, one other thing. Uh, this isn't for everybody, but you can actually still create hair strokes with the permanent makeup machine. So you can make a microblading effect with a different technique with a nano needle. It's harder to do, but it can be done and it's, the results are beautiful. You know, we've talked before about how people are stealing each other's work off the Internet. Mm -hmm. um, so you yeah. don't know if it's their work. Um, so how does one find the right technician? Okay. Well, first of all, find out if the, if the technician is licensed. And everybody should have license inside their office, and they should have photos. And even on the website, you can even put um, your license number on the website. A lot of people don't do that, and and that's Okay. But if the technician calls up the office and said, how are you licensed, you know, can I see your license? You know, that's, that's a good way to start. Um, secondly, make sure that they have a lot of before and afters, a lot. And make sure that the work looks pretty much the same because everyone, every artist is different and they have their own style. But if they have like a lot of eyebrows that just look completely different and different photo qualities, that, then that starts to become a little bit suspect. Um, but be sure they have a lot of healed results. That's, that's really, really most important because a lot of people will show their before and afters, but they don't show their healed results. So we don't know what that's going to look like in six months, a year, you know, right afterwards. That's, that's the biggest telltale sign. But it is and it's not because the other thing I have to say about these kind of services, and, and which is very misleading, is that when you first get the microblading done, most people's look pretty amazing because the, it's yeah. a full pigment and you know nothing is faded at that point and it's just like it's like wow so and then people don't talk about what happens after the six months so it's a huge okay. difference between the beginning and then so how do you still find the right person 
Okay, yeah. Well, the client should definitely ask the artist, you know, can I see your work after six months, after a year, after two years? What does it look like? Uh, that is that is a big issue because, again, we're talking about technique, and now we're going to get into pigments because not all pigments are made the same and not all pigments heal the same. So when you're working with microblading pigments in particular, you want to be sure that the stroke is going to actually stay crisp after a year. You want to be sure that it's not going to migrate or blur out. Well, hopefully with our little conversation here, it's going to open up another conversation and people will have a better idea how to find the right people and to know what to look for. Um, and again, they'll have your information up on our website at beautygps.com so that if they have any questions, I'm sure they could reach out to you on Facebook and, and other resources. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always available. So, Julia, what do you think about the whole tattooing under the eyes to get rid of dark circles that's going on? Um, yeah, no, this has been going around the, uh, the permanent makeup circles. And, uh, yeah, everyone's appalled by it. Uh, the dark under eye circles because this is titanium dioxide which they're implanting in the skin which has a very large molecule and it can and it cannot be removed from the skin uh, without surgery so the problem with titanium dioxide is when you implant it into the skin as it ages it turns yellow and then the molecules of the uh, actual pigment they bubble up to the surface of the skin creating a cottage cheese looking effect and uh, this cannot be removed so in essence uh, doing this kind of service on somebody will make someone look worse and then the only way to remove it would be by surgery which is going to end up disfiguring the client so it's a really bad idea to use titanium dioxide under the eyes or anywhere on the face and i've seen those videos from these really well publicized artists doing this and they're doing it with a rotary tattoo machine which in the wrong hands is very dangerous because the rotary oh. machine is um, it's meant for the body and it's a very very strong machine and that's yeah. why we use digital devices and permanent makeup devices because they're more gentle for the skin and the needles are more gentle. So this is double scary because not only are they tattooing in titanium dioxide, but they're using a very strong um, rotary machine while in the right hand, someone who's very skilled and experienced, maybe that's not such a bad idea, you know, to use a rotary on, on the face. However, in the wrong hands, it's very dangerous. You can tear the skin, rip the skin. All sorts of stuff you can you can do. It's horrible. Well, now also, what about tattooing for stretch marks? Because I've microneedled stretch marks, but I would not think of yeah. again pigmentation. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's not removal. It's actually cover up. They're called. Cover. It's called camouflage. Yeah, this is like um, like camouflage. Like uh, sometimes artists will use titanium dioxide to cover up old bad tattooing or bad permanent makeup. But the problem with, with it is, is it does change over time. So if you use a flesh color pigment, it will change the look over time. And also our skin changes color. So eventually that, that, cover, that cover up or camouflage pigment will end up um, sticking out and it'll be noticeable in the skin. You know, I, I don't do scar camouflage, so I'm not an expert in that area. And I do know people who do it and they do it really well. So it can be done, but somebody really has to understand the pigments. And that's a whole other um, level of permanent makeup or, or tattooing, uh, and that takes a lot of training. So I specialize in the face, so I know what not to use on the face, and I would never attempt stretch marks. Okay, interesting. I, I know microneedling yeah. with the stretch marks is great, it's fine, but with pigment, right. that would make me nervous. Do you have any pet peeves out there that are going on kind of in the business? Because like for me with lash extensions, there's that volume lashing, which I think still, no matter what, is going to damage the lashes. Is there anything yeah. about tattooing 
microblading, anything that's kind of driving you nuts that's going on out there? Yeah, actually, especially when it comes to microblading, uh, because it seems like the level of artistry in the United States has gone down to microblading, gone down with microblading, and it, is, it seems that really bad work is congratulated. So I'm on the forums a lot, and I see uh, it's too deep, um, it's migrated, it turns into um, uh, like a gray or blue undertone, and everybody thinks that that's just great, it's just fine, and it's not correct, it's completely incorrect. Microblading should never heal like that. It seems like there's a lack of knowledge in the area and the level of education has gone down. So yeah, these are my pet peeves. And so we just kind of learn to ignore it now because it's everywhere. It's an epidemic. Well, at this point, I would normally have people open up question and answers, but I had some tough technical difficulties, so we didn't um, get the, the callers online. So I have questions from callers that uh, wanted to ask you questions. Awesome. <laughs> so, so first we have Donna from New York, and Donna had microblading done last year, and she said she felt like it was the worst pain she's experienced ever, um, but she likes the effect. And she's like, so she never went in for her touch-up because she had too much pain what would yeah. you recommend in her situation pain has come from, from a technician who didn't properly numb the eyebrow area so she could come to uh come to me or come to anybody else who uses a primary anesthetic and then she should be pain-free so she can come back and and be fine in very rare cases if they're uh, resilient to anesthetics that does happen we do have clients like that uh, but they usually know which is, when they go in for dental work it usually takes them an hour to numb up whereas it would take wow. another person five minutes. So, but they usually know and they indicate that in their paperwork. But yes, it should be pain-free. Well, I'm sure Donna thanks you. So we also <laughs> have now Brandy in California. She's losing her hair around her hairline because of an inflammatory condition, and she uh -huh. has to get cortisone shots around her hairline. And she was wondering, is microblading something that she could be doing around the hairline? Um, and if so, would she be a candidate with the cortisone? Or is she just not even a candidate and she has to do regular tattoo work? What would you recommend in her situation? Okay, so this is this is kind of a controversy in the permanent makeup world at the moment. And I'll, I'm, I'm not experiencing scalp micropigmentation, but I'm definitely opinionated. So we have something called <laughs> scalp micropigmentation. You can either microblade the area um, to make hair-like strokes, or you can use pointillism technique with the permanent makeup device. Now, um, in skilled hands, and there are definitely skilled technicians out there who can, who can use a pointillism effect, um, it can be effective to uh, mimic uh, stubble in the hair. However, I haven't seen enough healed results over the years to indicate that it won't turn blue or migrate. Now, of course, I don't want to say anything against those masters in the industry who do this and who specialize in this field because they would be more qualified to answer this question than me. I'm just telling my experience. But with microblading, absolutely never. It's a terrible idea. And the reason being is because the skin and the scalp is a different um, consistency. It's a different thickness. It has more oil, so it's not designed. It's not designed to microblade in the scalp. Um, it'll blur out. It can turn blue. So it's just not going to be a good result. So in this case, um, I this is the question I've actually wondered myself because I have a lot of clients with disappearing hairlines, and I've been talking to plastic surgeons who who uh, recommend PRP injections to stimulate hair growth in the area. So it's experimental, but they've had some success with it. So I would suggest clients in that case to go and talk to a plastic surgeon about um, PRP injections. 
That's a so great idea. I don't idea. recommend scalp micropigmentation. Okay. No, she, she was wondering, and she's like, I can't get on there, but could you ask for me? And I said, I <laughs> absolutely will. I'm sure she'll have yeah. an answer for you. So, CRP sh- injections. Well, thank you for that. And so we're so on welcome. to Erica next um, out of New York, and she's in the process of growing out her eyebrows. And she said, um, first of all, would you recommend that she grows her brows out first and then wait till she gets the tattoo work? Or um, what what process, at what point should people actually get the brows if they're considering growing it out and giving it a chance? I know she's been trying to work on her brows for a while. Um, At what point do people go for the microblading or wait? Okay, if she's growing out her eyebrows, I would suggest her to, to keep growing them out until they can't grow it anymore. And don't worry about the shape because any expert microblading artist is going to be a master at shaping them. So that's really important. Don't get them waxed beforehand because, you know, the artist who's going to be doing the tattooing is going to be very specific about the shape that we put on. So grow out the hair. So then then we can see the hair stroke pattern because then we can mimic your hair stroke pattern and make it look supernatural. And then um, after we've mapped the eyebrows, we just simply remove any hair that's outside our mapping. I would definitely recommend to grow them out first. Very cool. And we have one last question for you. It's Frida in Brooklyn. And she said she's been noticing a lot of microblading in the brows. And she says, I'm seeing a lot of very dark brows. Um, And she said, it's it's kind of severe and not feminine looking. Why does this happen? Um, And then she's like, "I, I noticed that some people have a gradual fading, but how much does it fade from the time of how dark it is to the fade? But the microblading actually looks darker um, the week after the, the actual uh, treatment because um, as the skin is healing, the skin closes and then the pigment pools on top of the skin. So you really can't tell the true healed result until about three to four weeks afterwards until the skin is completely healed. And I have to warn all my clients that please um, don't panic after a week. If you want to panic, panic you know after a week, but not the first week because I've warned them it's, it's going to be really dark and then it's going to lighten up. So, yeah, it, it really depends. So, ideally, it would disappear after a year and a half. But, you know, remain a remnant of the pigment can still be at 80% at a year out. So, it, it does really depend. Excellent. Well, she definitely said she was really interested in the process. But she's like, if it looks that dark and I don't know how light it's going to be. So, you would, you would generally say the percentage of how it fades is what? From the time you get it put in to the time uh, six months later. What, what would that percentage of fade in as a general i know it's individual but what would that be yeah it's general um depending on the pigment line it could be anywhere from 20 percent fading uh to that's like after completely healed so we consider it completely healed after four weeks that's when the color matures in the skin so it can be anywhere from 20 percent uh to 50 percent and then after six months depending on this client's skin type it could fade another 50 percent and then a year it, after a year it could be completely gone or it could be still there at about 80 percent so it depends on the, the dryness of the client's skin that's really the biggest indication of that does Excellent. that answer your question yes it does and uh, i think you're going to probably get two more new clients here out of this <laughs> <laughs> maybe three actually because awesome. donna donna needs that retouch Alcohol can take a toll on our liver and age us, which is why it's perfect January's Dry Month. Our sponsor, Jesse Hawkins, is owner of the Mocktail Project, 
and he's here to tell us all about mocktails. Mocktail Project is really a grassroots movement uh, based here in Kentucky where we work directly with bars, restaurants, distilleries, social environments uh, to really just ensure that all spaces can be more inclusive to non-drinkers. So mocktail is just a really fun, tasty, non-alcoholic cocktail. So you think of any traditional cocktail and then uh, you, know, you just remove the alcohol. And so it's just a zero proof cocktail option. Most individuals think of the Shirley Temple. You know, that's been the traditional uh, mocktail for years and years now. But, you know, for us, any traditional cocktail, you know, we're really able to either replicate and or just come up with really new fun recipes that taste delicious. My all time favorite, I used to love the Ramos Fizz, which traditionally includes gin. Uh, but for us, you know, myself, I gave up drinking five years ago. And so we do a fun spin on the Ramos Fizz using uh, seed lip rather than gin. We created the Mocktail Project really just to say no matter who you are, you know, why you stopped drinking or maybe you're just taking a break from drinking uh, or maybe you're just in between cocktails. You should never not be able to enjoy a social environment because, you know, you're choosing not to drink. Now, doesn't that sound delicious? Make sure you check out The Mocktail Project at www.themocktailproject.com. And now back to our regular program. Every guest is going to have a beauty hack. And I want to know, what is your beauty hack? It could be about anything but it's something that you just are like, hey, this is what I figured out and it's something that is like the coolest thing. Just what, what's, what is your beauty hack? Okay, I'm super excited about skincare and I'm obsessed with it. So what I started to do, I started doing a lot of research into nutrition and into collagen induction therapy. So I learned that um, the more collagen I ingest in my diet via powders or bone broth, um, the better my skin behaves and better my, my nails and hair grow. And then I discovered microneedling or uh, collagen induction therapy, which is like wounding the skin um, to induce collagen production. And I found out that the more collagen I ingest and get you know put through my system, the better my skin actually um, uh, relates or responds to the collagen induction therapy. So I've actually been able to rebuild my entire skin. I'm able to get more... Um, uh, what is it called, volume in my cheeks and more defined um, in my cheekbones and, and more skin, uh, to my skin to be thicker and more healthy. So that's my beauty hack. So I'm, I'm constantly drinking collagen and then getting um, microneedling done or the collagen induction therapy. So, yeah, <laughs> I love it. You're, you're just doing tattoo in a different way, without the pigment. Uh-huh. Without the pigment, <laughs> yeah. I'm purposely wounding my skin to, to make it grow more, but it's totally worked. It's, it's been amazing. So, yeah, Can you tell us what, what the collagen is? I bought myself one of those, um, what do you call it? Um, one of those pressure cookers, Instapot. So then uh, I go to Whole Foods. Yeah, I go to Whole Foods and they literally sell like the, the, the beef bones. They actually sell them in the freezer section. So I go and I stock up on those and then I just make my own bone broth. And so when it comes out like really gelatiny, that's when I know it's good. And then I just add some, you know, my meats in there or my vegetables in there and I drink that all the time. That's so amazing. That's I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've Instapot has saved my life. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. A lot of people are addicted to it and they love it for their bone broth. And I just, I'm watching people's skin transform by using their Instapots with their oh, bone, wow. bone broth. Yeah. I mean, completely transform. Me. No, not that's just so you. Cool. 
So the microneedling is right. just the bonus on top of that. So you're 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 uh -huh. already doing something intuitively, and and I'm seeing the effect on other people with that. And then with the microneedling, it's like you've got the perfect duo there. So amazing. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm so happy that other people are getting the same results. Yeah. Well, this is a great beauty hack, Julia, and I, I appreciate you sharing that. And thank you mm -hmm. so much also for being our first guest. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. You're so we exciting. Survived. I was so excited when you asked me. I was like, cool, I get to share about microblading. Yeah, well, it was, it's, it's been a pleasure. It's Well, microblading is not even that new anymore. I mean, it's been around how long now for you? I would say uh, for me five years and five I was years? one of the very first artists in the USA so in the USA five years five years so something that's been around five years it's already old hat to us and mm -hmm. you're already on to the next thing with the ombre brow which I am so mm -hmm. glad to announce that service on beauty GPS because it mm -hmm. sounds amazing in fact I'll be yeah. talking to you about that later um, <laughs> awesome we will have all of your information at beautygps.com, including how to get training if you're interested in training and how to get all the products that you're talking about and just a little bit more information. So, Julia, once again, thank you um, and happy okay. 2019. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Take care. Thanks, Mary. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Our journey has drawn to a close. I hope you've enjoyed learning about the pros and cons of microblading with Julia Millen. Please visit our site at beautygps.com to navigate our social media as well as leave questions and comments on our forum. We want to make sure your burning beauty and wellness questions get addressed during our next live Q&A every first and third Saturday of the month. Thank you for listening. This is Mary Shook signing off. Beauty GPS in the Hot Seat is copyright 2019. All rights reserved.